Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Paula C., Jen L., Mike P., and Gordon S. On the program today is a returning guest. Mr. Alex Black is back with us. Alex is the executive chairman of Rio2 Limited, a gold-focused project developer that is advancing the Phoenix Gold Project in the Atacama region, northern Chile, to construction. Rio2 is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol RIO, as well as on the US OTC markets under the symbol RIOFF. Alex, it's great to have you back on the program. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be back after a hiatus of about 18 months, but it's, it's good to be able to say we're back on track again. Absolutely. Now, it's good to have you back, Alex. Always a pleasure to have you on the program. You're definitely one of our favorite guests, and it's a pleasure to have you back and good to hear your voice. Well, why don't we jump right to recent news that the prior EIA decision for the Phoenix Gold Project has been overturned to a positive approval of the EIA after the appeal process. Congratulations on that. And for our new audience here who is not familiar with Rio2, I'd like to just have you talk about this, go back to the chain of events, back to the work period that happened on the initial study and the application that went into the original EIA application, then the decline that happened, appeal process, and now the overturning of that previous decision. Can you just walk us through that and give us your thoughts on how this has gone and where you guys are today. Yeah, okay. So with regards to the EIA process, we acquired the Phoenix Gold Project in uh, mid-2018. At that time, uh, the project had no benchmark, or all the preparatory work you've got to do for an EIA anyway, didn't, didn't have it, the baseline study. So we had to initiate the baseline study. Uh, we then prepared a um, an EIA and we filed that we went through this with the authorities. It's done at the regional level, so at the Atacama region level. We went through three iterations of observations, etc., with with the various authorities during the process of the EIA. We filed it uh, towards the um, the beginning of um, 2022, and it came up for review in April of 2022. April 2022 was three months into the new Boric government. And um, how do I describe the Boric government? Well, you know, very inexperienced government, uh, communist leaning. Uh, he, he's a, uh, the President Boric is a stated uh, communist from the point of view of his uh, leanings. And, um, and the government was made up of very inexperienced politicians, inexperienced business people at the bottom line and uh, they wanted to make their mark on Chile and one of the things they wanted to do was change the constitution etc etc um, so there we were in April of 2022 with a regional process where we had ticked all the boxes and we were expecting to be approved 
to allow us to go into construction in about August or September of, of, of 2022. Unfortunately, uh, we got a negative decision on our EIA and, and it, it did not get it approved. And that was a shocking decision because it just came out of left field, uh, considering we had all the feedback, the three uh, observation periods that we answered, all the various observations that had come up. But what happened was that the environmental body in the Atacama region decided to consult the federal guys about the fact that they were you know, going to approve this project. And the federal guys came up with an excuse for that not to happen and put pressure on the regional guys to, to disapprove the EIA. So it was clearly government interference in a process that we had done by the, you know, by the book. You know, I mean, everything we, we did was by the book. Because we were stopped at that point, which was April, which was mid mid 2022, that the final uh, verdict came through about the project being disapproved. We the we had the only process we could follow was to go into an appeal process and appeal the result, and that appeal process was with a committee of ministers. Um, so seven different ministries, including the environment, uh, Envi Ministry of Environment, to review our appeal. And now our appeal, which went for an 18-month period, it was ridiculously long, and it should never have been that long, but there is no specified timing for the hearing of these appeals. That's the problem. It went for 18 months, and during that 18-month period, all we did was go to the various ministries, not to the ministers, but to the technical support teams of, of the ministers to demonstrate that we did nothing wrong. The federal government had decided that we were going to make some significant impact on chinchillas in, in the area. We had identified chinchillas. Nobody knew there were chinchillas in the area. We identified that there were chinchillas in the area, but not in the project area. To the uh, west of the project area is a valley, which is outside the project area where we found chinchillas, which is, which is sort of typical for that region. Our building of this mine is between 4,600 metres and 4,900 metres above sea level. What we observed was there were no chinchillas at those altitudes, and that, that makes a lot of sense because of the fact that there's no vegetation at those altitudes, it's, it's very inhospitable, and no chinchillas in that area. We went back to our findings. We did lots of uh, groundwork on on the chinchillas during our EIA. We, we, we reiterated all that work. We did more than what we were obliged to do. And, um, and uh, at the end of the day, um, this committee of ministers meeting was, was, it was unknown to us when it, when it was going to be heard. And we were coming to the end of 2023, it was 18 months and, and we still had no indication that the meeting was, our, our case was going to be heard. So we put as much pressure on particularly the, the Minister of Mining, uh, who's very pro-mining, um, and she's a seasoned, she's a, she's a second appointee to that position, and she's a seasoned uh, veteran of the, uh, of the, of the mining uh, industry. We lobbied her and said, look, you know, we've got to get, we have to get this thing going, you know, and we need a result. So they, they pushed us through and they had a meeting in, in mid-December, uh, 20th of December, and we were on the slate for that meeting. And what happened at the meeting? We were approved. <laughs> we, the decision was turned around.
So we were able to convince this group of seven ministers to understand our case and to approve it. Now, we didn't have to do anything special. We didn't have to do any more work on the ground during that 18-month period. All we did was reiterate all the work that we'd done. And the other thing that was strange was this project was not held up socially. Uh, from a social community perspective, everybody wanted this project to go ahead. This project wasn't held up from a business perspective. Um, we were going to employ 1,200 people to build this project. There was lots of businesses in the Atacama region, particularly around Kopiapo. And so, you know, we had a lot of things for this project that, um, you know, were in our favour. So we we're finally able to get that decision through. The problem is that that 18-month period where we were stopped, there's been significant damage done to the company. Our share price, even though we now have stated that uh, we are approved, has not recovered to the levels that it was at the time that uh, we were stopped back in uh, in mid-2022. Now we've got to pick up the pieces and, and move the project forward as best as we can. But hopefully that covers exactly um, uh, what we had to go through um, in, in getting this, this case approved. Typically what happens in Chile is that if you have an EIA approved, it can be uh, challenged. And typically it's challenged socially or it's challenged technically from an environmental perspective, et cetera, by third parties. In our case, it wasn't the case. You know, we had no objections. The objection came from the government and we challenged that decision. It was a completely different style of, uh, of appeal as opposed to what typically happens in, in Chile. Anyway, we're past that point um, and we're now moving the project forward. So this was more or less a political motivation, if you will, of, of certain parties. It was, to... yeah, it was entirely political. And, and I'm, not, I'm not, not worried about saying this. I mean, we were interfered with by the federal government of Chile who started off with an anti-mining and environmental ideology which was off the off the charts and i've got to say they've been in power for two years they've only got two years left because it's a four-year term they can't run again but during that two-year period uh the first two years their move to get the constitution changed failed twice and so there's no constitutional change in in chile their attempt to change the, the tax system in Chile failed. And so they've been put on the back foot. And also what's happened during that two-year period is Chile's gone into negative GDP. They are in trouble right now. And now the government's making all this rhetoric about, you know, stimulating the economy and, and being pro-business and all this sort of stuff. I mean, they've got the tails between their legs and they've been chastised by the country for taking them on this ride of nothing for two years. And unfortunately, right. we were a part of that ride, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and so that's what, what's happened in Chile. Yeah, these governments tend to not know what's best, do they? They just seem to be a bit of a clown show. And, and the lunacy spreads beyond just Chile. We're seeing lunacy play out in other places as well, uh, Ecuador, Panama. As far as mining goes, I'm talking just mining specifically. And I, I just challenge people to try the anti-mining approach and see where that takes you. If that happens on a global basis, we've got some bigger problems to worry about. Yeah, I've always said that the key to any mining project anywhere in the world, and, and there's three keys, and I, I, I say social, 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 which means 
you need to get social license for what you're doing on the ground, wherever you are. And we had that. What comes out of left field is when governments, like in the case of Panama, interfere in the process and then, and then try and, you know, change the rules. And, and that's what we're seeing in LATAM. But we have seen in the last few, few years, this move to the extreme left. But now we're seeing this move to the extreme right with what's happened in Argentina with Millet being uh, appointed president who's, who's on the extreme right of things. I, I think you're going to see this wave happen through the rest of LATAM over the next few years where people realise that communism doesn't work um, and, and, it, and, it, and it kills countries. And so they're, they're going to move, move politics uh, further to the right. Now, in the case of Chile, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that given what we're seeing in Chile, Chile will probably move to the, to the centre-right uh, in the next election, uh, probably not to the extreme-right, but to, certainly to the centre-right. And, and that's where it's been. It's been sort of centre-right, centre-left over the last 20 years. And, and the country's worked, and it's been a powerhouse uh, economy of, of LATAM. But once people feel downtrodden and then they go for the leftists or, or, or either extreme of politics, you know, the wheels start to get wobbly. And we're seeing also with these some of these events, we're seeing outside interference into these countries, which, you know, is a whole nother yeah. can of worms that we don't have time to go into, Alex. But we're certainly seeing outside interference from groups that are very well funded interfering with even the sovereignty of some of these nations. And it's just, uh, it's one of the sickest things I've seen, but we'll stop at that point and move <laughs> on here and stay focused on the company. Yeah. With the sentiment, you talked about the share, you know, the, the value destruction of this company with respect to the, the rejection and the overturning. And we saw a little bit of recovery here, but it goes right into the next point, which is the junior sector for gold generally still is in the toilet for sentiment and valuation. Talk broadly just about that sentiment in the junior sector here and any thoughts for the audience as far as how you see 2024 going here. And of course, we know Rio 2 specific that, you know, execution on the ground at this point will start to demonstrate that value return. But just talk about the junior segment as far as just overall sentiment right now for the gold. Yeah, well, I think, I think, you know, we're, we're a good example. I mean, when, when we got stopped essentially back in uh, the first half of 2022, the junior world was different then. I mean, it wasn't good, but it was much better than it is today. And we were on our path to financing this project and, and getting this project built and, and, and construction started in the latter, latter part of 2022. When you look at where the junior sector is today, it's completely different. What's changed is inflation's gone through the roof, so costs have gone through the roof. The cost of financing has gone through the roof. I mean, back in early 2022, the interest rates were near zero. They're now near 7%. You know, it's a different world out there. The other thing that's happened is that there's been some disasters in the junior sector with companies like Pure Gold and Heart Gold, um, with 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 their ventures that they got into in a good jurisdiction in Canada, um, where they blew their companies up uh, and uh, and uh, also uh, pulled some banks with them in in respect to financings that were done for their projects. So there's there's been a a lot of bad will, you know, the the the, the history of Argonaut. Um, who had some disasters financially, et cetera. Um, you know, you're seeing Barrick now um, showing that um, 
you know, they still make a lot of money, but costs costs are going up, you know, significantly at Barrick. Uh, Newmont, the disaster of the Newmont, uh, the Newcrest acquisition, all that feeds into the the whole sector and particularly the junior sector because uh, the first place to run away from is is the juniors. Um, if 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 you want to not be in the sector, so a lot of changes have happened in the last um, uh, eighteen months to two years, uh, and and yeah, the the market's sick. I mean, it's it's sick. It, there is it's very difficult. You know, here we are. We've got a project with remaining capex of one hundred and thirty five million US. That is not a lot of money. Uh, when it comes to capex for 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 starting a, a any type of resource project, yeah. two years ago that was easily doable. You might as well put another zero on the end of that because uh, you know it's like it's like you're going to have to raise one point three billion dollars because it, it's that difficult when you look at the market. So we've got remaining capex of one hundred thirty five million. If you look at the Wheaton stream that. We, and the and the fifty percent of the stream uh, uh, proceeds that we haven't pulled upon because that was subject to EIA approval, that's twenty five million. It takes it down to about one hundred and ten million. We're going to have finance one hundred and ten million dollars for this project, and that's like Mount Everest. That's like climbing Mount Everest at this stage for 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 us as a junior company, because obviously we have to find um, you know some banks or or lenders that are willing to lend a proportion of that uh, money. But the remaining portion, which I don't know what percentage it could be, but let's say it's you know thirty percent or forty percent. That's thirty to forty million US that we have to find maybe in the equity markets. I mean, I don't know where that's going to come from. I just don't know where it's going to come from because the markets aren't as transparent as they used to be from the point of view of, of knowing where potential funding could come from. So lots of things have changed. Um, and being an exploration company in this market is almost not worth it, right? We're not an exploration company, we're a developer. And you can see how difficult it is for us. But I, I can't imagine having an exploration company which is going out drilling holes and you know, trying to find you know, deposits of whatever materials. There's no money out there. You know? The retail sector is drying up. The institutional segment has, has long gone. Um, and, and, and the institutional segment is, is a lot smaller than what it was 10 to 20 years ago. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and, and we're competing against stuff. You know, what are we competing against? We're competing against people that can just own gold and not take any risks with the, with the developers or the producers. Um, people that can invest in ETFs, so they invest in a broad basket of, of companies and not in individual companies. Then you've got uh, the fact that you know you've got Bitcoin out there. You know that's you know starting to ramp up with the ETF, etc. So there's the technology sector, which is still a big drawer of uh, investment funds. The Dow and the S and P are still charging ahead at sort of record levels. So we've got a lot of competition when you when you say, okay, I'm going to build a gold project <laughs> in in Chile to find the money for for that. It's, 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 it's incredible. It's really incredible at this stage. Uh, I've never yeah. seen it before. I've been, in the, I've been in the business 40 years and I'm navigating stuff that I've never seen before. 
to add on what you said, you know, you've got these, uh, I think it was Endeavor. Um, Corporate governance disaster, that one. Disaster, yeah. for sure. But that, as you said, all this plays into the whole sector exactly. and makes exactly. makes everybody look like clowns for sure. So on the money, I want to stay on the money for a moment because you brought up that part of it. Uh, talk about what you see as the rough time frame. I know you can't give specifics here because we're talking about raising capital, but uh, what do you see on time frame here to help piece that package together and get this project going? And I guess we can kind of couple that with schedule, Alex. Why don't we just talk about that for a moment? And then if well, you want, why don't you go ahead and bring the capital structure into this as well? The good thing is, well, if there is a good thing, <laughs> the good thing is that we are here in January. We are planning to build this project during the summer season in Chile, right? Now, we're in the middle of the summer season right now. It's the opposite to the Northern Hemisphere. And um, we're in the middle of the summer season now. So the earliest we can build this project is September or start to build this project is September. The reason we need the summer is because we're going to be doing uh, quite a bit of earthworks uh, for our uh, uh, plant and our leach pad the plant will have concrete slab put down so will the um, truck workshop etc you need you know good climate to be able to cure the concrete etc and you don't want to be doing that in the middle of winter um, so th that that means that we've got between now and september to finance ourselves so that's not a bad you know that's an eight month window of, of time and so what we're doing now is we're working with Endeavor Financial, who are our financial advisors. And now that we have got approval, we're going to be going out to various uh, financiers, banks, funds, um, you know, private equity funds, et cetera, et cetera, to, to see what the appetite is to get behind this project. So that, that will happen over the next month or so. Uh, over the last, 18 months since we got stopped, we've had independent engineers, independent to ourselves, and who, who are working for the banks, um, do a review of the project. Um, we've ticked all the boxes. There's no, there's no, no, nothing untoward in, in respect to their uh, uh, analysis of the project. So that's all being done, which is good because any of the finances can latch onto that independent engineer and uh, seek their advice as to what they're seeing as in regards to what we're saying we're going to do with this project. So we have to find out how we're going to finance the project. And right now, today, I don't know how it's going to be financed. As you've seen in the past with some, some development projects, a strategic investor comes in, whether it's a mining company or a, or a big fund, uh, they take an equity position. They also get involved in some of the debt and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that could happen to us. But I can tell you right now, there's nothing prescribed in respect to um, how we're going to finance this uh, this project. Right now, we've got about uh, 250 million shares on issue. I think fully diluted, it's about 290 million shares. The dilution there is mainly related to uh, to options. Um most of them are out of the money anyway. So um, it's a sub $300 million uh, share capital. Uh, our market valuation right now, I mean, yesterday I think we popped down to nearly 30 cents. So 30 cents by, you know, you know we're a 75 million Canadian market cap. Uh, let's call it 60 million US at this stage, just a bit more than 60 million US. Maybe we're going to have to go out and get 
some sort of equity, 20, who knows, million dollars worth of equity. That's doable for a company our size. Uh, obviously, it means, you know, involves dilution, but uh, it's doable. But really, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm going to be very pragmatic about this. I'm not going to finance this thing just for the sake of financing it. I mean, we're going to have to look at the cost of capital and make sure we get a sensible deal given the context of the market to finance this project and to accept financing this project. So that's the pragmatism of, of us and, and myself and our board is that we need to, we need to see that uh, in the next few months. Does that answer all your questions that you had there? Yeah, Alex, I think that covers it. And I guess it brings in the other point there with uh, the Wheaton deal as to when you can draw that down and does that provide a little bit of a buffer in the meantime where you piece off maybe at various stages the rest of the package? Or what are you thinking there on sequence? No, I mean, originally we were on a fast track. And I'm talking about back in early 2022. We were on a fast track of, to construction. Now we're not. Pulling down on that $25 million from Wheaton, yes, that's part of the financing package, but I, I, we're not in any hurry to pull that down. Um, the um, trigger for that is the EIA approval, which we've got. Um, there has to be a resolution um, passed in relation to that EIA approval. That takes a month or so to to get drafted and, and, and tabled. Um, there's no problem there. It's just, just a bureaucratic process. And um, once they see that, they they will be um, in a position to advance us $25 million. We also need to sit down with Wheaton now that all this delay has been put behind us because in the original streaming agreement, we were due to deliver gold to Wheaton in 2024. Here we are, and we don't have a mine. <laughs> So we need to review the um, the terms of the uh, the streaming agreement and, uh, and 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 adjust it to fit our new schedule for the development of this project. So if we do get this project financed um, by September of this year, we'll start construction in September. We've got a fourteen month. Uh, timetable for for completion of construction and so that puts us in production in about august of next year 2025 that's our current timetable if all goes well the build of the project is relatively simple the beautiful thing about this project it's gold oxide run of mine heap leach the plant is very simple it's just pipes tanks pumps there's no crushing there's no milling um, and uh, the material is blown up in situ, put into trucks and taken to the leach pad and reticulated with cyanide. It's a very simple process. So um, the construction of that is very simple. I mean, if you're going to build a mine, you know, maybe an iron ore mine is even similar apart from the beneficiation plant. But, um, you know, this is, this is very simple. Um, so that's one thing that's going for us is the simplicity of this project. And we've done this twice before in building two similar projects in Peru over the last you know, 12 years or so. So, um, you know, we, we know what we're doing. We're ready to go once we've got the money. And I think the path to production will be relatively straightforward. 
Yeah, I think so, Alex. I think it is it's a very simple project, and we have a team that has done it in the past, so that's a, a very good positive as well. I think we have a good gauge. So with pre-construction activities, of which some of that work happened pri in 2022, prior to obviously this delay, yep. you're still looking at 14 months, which actually is fairly quick. That's a pretty quick build, to be honest. Yep. So I think everything's lining up pretty well here, just as far as kind of the, looking at the timing here. Other stuff here, I guess it, it brings in, I mean, obviously someone's going to ask this in the, in the audience, but um, it brings in some of the other questions about the general strategy here of moving forward here, getting this startup and commissioning done, successful ramp up, commercial production. And I know we have expansion to go down the road here as well for this project, because this project has notable expansion that can happen. But talk to the audience, if you will, about the bigger picture here for Rio 2 in terms of overall strategy to expand beyond this project for Rio 2 or is an M&A transaction in the cards in the future should there be interested parties? Alex, how do you see the final strategy and bigger picture for this company working out post-successful uh, stage one, if you will? This company can go it alone. I mean, we, we, we can get stage one up and running ourselves. And obviously, um, we can um, look at partially funding stage two with cash flow, et cetera, from, from, from the mining operations that we're going to bring on stream. Um, uh, we're a good example of, of being a one asset company. I mean, we had this issue come out of left field that stopped the company and because we didn't have any other assets in our portfolio we had nothing else to do so obviously our share price went down to 10 cents and you know we were valued at, at you know 30 million dollars at that stage or 20 25 million dollars so it was it was it was quite a quite a surprise but it was a good example of one asset companies and there's plenty of one asset companies out there um you know we've been looking at m a for the since we started Rio 2, which was in 2016, we did an M&A deal to get Phoenix Gold in 2018. But we've been looking at lots of things ever since that time and nothing's happened. And, and you know, uh, some of the things we've been looking at haven't been worth doing anything with. Um, but then again, others where there are, you know, a, a, a sort of corporate uh, transactions to be done it, it's you know we come across entrenched management who who for whatever reason just don't want to do a deal right because they want to know what they're going to be doing if we take over as management blah 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 right so this sector is 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 sad from that perspective because there's there's just too many companies and there should be a lot of MMA in this in this sector and um, you know I think there's more than 1500 companies listed in the in the venture exchange in the tsx and in the in the resource sector you know that probably should be healthier at maybe less than 500 but that takes a lot of MA and 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 still today i'm seeing companies doing spin outs and you know forming another company out of out of assets they've got on board i just shake my head at all that i think why create more companies i mean but but a lot of a lot of guys in the junior sector do this because they pull in a check, right? So if they can sure. sit on three or four boards, they can pull a check from those three or four boards. They can earn quite a decent living. Um, they're not they're not worried about what the shareholders 
<laughs> or, or the value value of the companies happening because they just go to the market every few months and and go and raise some more money. You know, two million dollars here, three million dollars there, pay the bills, pay their pay their salaries, etc. So yeah, I'd love to do M and A in the sector, and and will we do M and A? We're looking at things right now as we as we as I'm talking to you, but will will they eventuate into anything? Uh, I don't know. Um, and as right. I say, it takes two to tango. But I think um, this sector de- deserves M&A and, and I would like to be a part of it. I, I, I don't know how. Uh, I can tell you no big companies have looked at us, uh, which is which is surprising for me because there's only four, four um, gold producers in Chile. There's uh, ourselves coming on stream. There's gold fields with Solaris Norte. There's Pan American Silver, who acquired all the Amana assets, and there's Kinross. That's the right. that's the gold mining sector in in Chile, and none of those guys have looked at us. None of those guys yeah. have spoken to us. None of the guys have shown any interest in what we're doing. It's very interesting to me. Just silent running. You know, it's just interesting from that perspective. Covered a lot of good stuff there. I mean, this this junior sector is ripe with dirt bags and scum, whatever you want to call it. I mean, for sure, it's uh, quite a clown show is out there, as you and I both know. With respect to some of the suitors, there's, you know, it sounds like you guys are open to M&A transactions being taken over. Obviously, there's probably a question of valuation for that transaction to occur. But certainly, there's a handful of uh, companies that come to my mind, which I'll, I'll leave unspoken for the podcast here, but man, there's a couple that could certainly do with a simple project like this. And this project fits in really well with some of the models out there. And for them not to be looking at this at the trough here is a little bit uh, surprising to me, but nonetheless. A lot of people will err on the, on the, they'll wait and see whether we deliver, right? Execute and deliver. And that's fine. You know, the, the eyes didn't come onto Rio Alto, our previous company until we bought our second second operation, which was Showinda. Uh, we put La Arena into production. We built the company up to a market valuation of about six hundred million dollars. Um, we we then acquired uh, Saladin with, with Showinda. Um, that was a creative transaction. Built the valuation of the company up to nearly nine hundred million, and then we were taken out for one point two billion dollars by by Taha Resources. I mean, I don't expect Rio to to, to see any M and A transactions with anybody big, but I'd like to do M and A transactions with companies of our size who have got interesting assets that may be, you know, pipeline projects to to us bringing Phoenix on stream and and then us um, rolling on into to whatever asset they bring to the table, um, so that we we see ourselves grow our our production profile over over time. Phoenix Phoenix Gold starts off at 100,000 ounces a year, more or less, of production uh, with trucked water to site. Uh, does that in an ASIC of about $1,250 an ounce. This project can be expanded with piped water from Copiapos, likely to be desal water, to a size of 250 to 300,000 ounces a year. It becomes a world-class project when it gets to that sort of level. Uh, to start right. with, is you know relatively small. So then we start to appear on the radar screens of some of the bigger guys when we get to that sort of level. Um, yeah. So I don't see any activity with bigger guys until till we we show that and we we can demonstrate that we can expand the project to that sort of uh, production level. 
you know, today in the junior sector, doing M&A with other junior companies makes a lot of sense to me. And once again, we've just not been successful at pulling pulling anything off to date. Well, there'll be a different conversation once uh, stage one is in the books here and exactly. everything is exactly. uh, steady state, smooth running. So, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens there, Alex. I appreciate your thoughts on some of that stuff. Well, just for the sake of time here, let's uh, let's get close to wrapping up here. I, I just wanted to ask one other question here, just with any comments that you have, comments on the community front, government relations now post EIA reversal, and just overall Chile in the future for being a continuing destination for mining. Oh, you know, I mean, I had that question asked of me recently, is Chile open for business in mining? And, and certainly it is, right? I mean, we, we, we went through an experience that I hope nobody else goes through and we were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? That's, that's, that's our situation. But Chile is open for business. Uh, it will become, it, I think it will return to the powerhouse that it was from a copper perspective and, and, and maybe from, you know, lithium and other uh, gold, et cetera, in, in, in the future. So. Yeah, I mean, Chile's a, a good place to do to do business. This government will be done in two years, and and you know it cannot run again. So there'll be a, a a new government, which I think will be centrist, either left or right. I'm not sure in the future. So there's no problems there. The other part of the question was, as I said right at the beginning of this presentation, social, 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 and I can tell you that we've done everything right from the beginning when we started the EIA process to get on board and to get our community uh, support for this project. And we impact six communities, six Indigenous communities in the region that we are going to build this mine. And we have six agreements in place. Uh, they, during this 18-month process, have been um, supporting us and lobbying for us to get this project up and running. So we don't have any issues from a community perspective. From a business perspective, we're going to employ 1,200 people in, in the construction phase of this project and then about 500-odd people during the operation of this project. That's going to impact service companies in, in the region. The Atacama region, as a region itself in Chile, has one of the highest unemployment levels of any of the regions of the country. So us coming on stream is going to be a positive contribution to business and to the communities in, in that region. Alex, well, thanks for the time here. Let's leave it there for now. Uh, for potential investors who are listening in, the company has a market capitalization of about 80 million Canadian dollars. Why should Rio 2 be considered within the institutional family office and retail investors portfolio at this point? You know, we've got a clear path to construction and production. Um, given us being able to finance this project. So once again, I talked about the ease of the project, the simplicity of the project. That's something that everybody has to has to understand. We have a gold oxide run of mine heap leach project. We don't produce tailings. Uh, we have a, a, a locked circuit. Um, you know, the, um, the uh, water and, and solution just gets recirculated through the whole system through the leach pad, back through the plant, back through the leach pad, back through the plant, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's a very simple process. And the other thing that people need to understand is we've done this before. We're not just a junior that's building their first mine uh, in, a, in a country that we don't live in. Um, 
No, this is something that we've done twice before. The two mines that we built before are still in production, La Arena and Shawindo. Both belong to Pan American Silver and um, they're still going. So there's the testament to what we can do, what, we, what our knowledge base is. And the same team that built those two projects is with Rio2 and is going to execute and deliver with Phoenix Gold. And Alex, uh, what is the best way for folks to contact the company? I'm very happy for people to contact me directly. Um, and, and I'll give you my email address. It's alex.black at rio2.com. And um, I'm happy to take emails from any shareholder at any level, whether they're a small time holder or a large holder or and, and willing to answer questions. So I'm an open book. The company is an open book. We're as transparent as we can be. Um, and so that's the best way of contacting us. Uh, we don't rely on IR. The executive chairman will answer questions directly. Alex, thank you for that. Always good to catch up. Keep up the work here. And I'm looking forward to chatting again soon this year. Keep up the efforts and thank you again for the time. And Andrew, thanks for this. And, and, and obviously, we could have chatted more about lots of things. You know I'm on a tight, tight time schedule at the moment today, but happy to come back when we've got something more to talk about and maybe elaborate on some of the other, other interesting things in general that are going on in the sector.